Good morning, LCM. Today is July 21st, 2019. We are basking in the glow of several monumental occurrences this past week. Man, what an incredible wedding we had yesterday. Goodness gracious, Alvin Bola and Jessica Deramola are now wed. Wasn't that a radiant time that we had yesterday if you were there with us? Yes. Now, the truth is, is that's the second wedding in 30 days that we've had here at this church. That is an incredible feat at any point in our history, but this is a special time that we're in. Not only have we had a wedding this week, we've also had babies born in the house of God. Come on. Fruitful. Reese and Olivia Ludvigson were born this week to Ray and Lindsay. What a special time that we're living in. We said it earlier, by the end of this year, 60 children in LCM under the age of 10. Is this a year of prosperity? In every way. In addition to all of that, this week we had the Stevens, the Araginas, and the Mandy Sheridan. Back in the house. Come back into town and to the house of God. Amen. Isn't it good to have our family back home? Yeah, it is. Hey, let's start by turning to Numbers. Chapter 2, verse 1. Say there when you are there. Come on. Let me hear you say it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from him, each man under his standard, with the banners of his family. Now, church, we've been in a series entitled Family Banners. Uh, Joy, if you'll go ahead and put that slide up on the screen, and you could just leave it there for a little while. We talked about our family banner, and we're nearing the completion of the Family Banner series. We've had such an incredible and pivotal time learning about how each family has been given a divine sign an oat, a family banner, a supernatural family banner that they are to look to and to walk under. We then focus on the promise of our family banner. We are talking about those precious promises, those timely words that God gives us, that divine direction from the Lord that are personal to your family and that will help you crush your fears and build up your faith. Then we learn from most right reverend venerable Justin Treaster that our family attitude Mm -mm. has to be one that is indestructible. Come on, somebody in this house say indestructible. Indestructible. This attitude is one that should help you and everyone in your family walk in a supernatural confidence. You can be confident because you are clear on your banner and you are fully trusting in God's promise to you. Hey, next we learn how to be a man or woman on a mission. Not the kind of special assignment or far-off trip that so many in Christendom do. But we're talking about the process of daily engaging and completing. Come on, somebody say completing. Completing. Every assignment the Lord has given to us. Come on, not only do we accomplish the assignments that have been granted to us, but at LCM we do so with deeply embedded convictions that allow for repeated supernatural components to testify that your mission's are actually missions from God. Oh, that's good. Our method of doing this is one of common unity, community. The Lord acts in plural unity, or ihad, and so must we. As we saw in Numbers 2 earlier, the tribal arrangement of Israel is used as a scriptural paradigm. That's a big word. A scriptural paradigm. And in that, we discover that no one, no man or woman, no family is able to operate, able to grow or develop rightly unless they have fully embraced their position with the presence of the Lord and with others in their tribe. Church, did you hear that, what Pastor just said? No one in the room 
can fully engage with what God has given you to do unless you're understanding in relationship to the presence of the Lord and with those around you. Church, I want to remind you that the word of prophecy, one of the words of prophecy that came forth, and by the way, you understand that we do not coordinate these words of prophecy. We do not even get together this morning with the normal people that we get together with. But the words of prophecy confirmed exactly what Pastor Matt just said. That we're supposed to be an army and we're supposed to march in rank and file. And to not do that is going to cause you to lose your place in what is going on here at LCM. You see, I am fully convinced in my soul. I am fully convinced within my spirit that LCM is going to accomplish exactly what God has put us on the planet to accomplish. The only question that we have is which ones of us will be there to see it completed? Which ones of us will be there to make sure that it is completed? Because we're going to do what God tells us to do. If I fail to do it, God will replace me and put someone else who can. Come on now. Are you with me this morning? Yes. God is speaking to us. See, we can lull you into a sleep here. You can just think and be expecting things and be ready to say yes and say amen. But the truth is, is you better be getting these things down in your heart. Yeah. Because God is speaking to us this morning. As we focus on number six, the curses and the blessings that come from your family banner. We need to establish a few important concepts. First, every single family banner brings with it curses and blessings. I mean every single banner. There aren't any exemptions. There aren't any exceptions. Unless maybe you attend the compact center. Unless it's maybe Friday. Every day is Friday. Mm. We've got to explore this subject so that those who walk under our banner have the same expectations as God on this subject. Come on, don't you want to align your expectations with what God is saying? It is so important that we as families learn how to rightly walk under our banners, whether we're experiencing difficulties or blessings. What an incredible thought that the Lord is sharing with us today. Look, as we set out the right expectations that every family banner has these two components, blessings and curses. We also need to explain what we mean by blessings and curses. As you first begin to think about this topic, you may easily slip into the idea and think that we're talking about blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Isn't that the normal understanding of what these words mean? But what we want you to focus on is the concept that as you are wholeheartedly obedient to the voice of God, to the will of God, to the word of God, there are blessings from the Lord, but there's also curses from men. This is to be expected. Without this understanding, our focus is one-sided, and it remains glued to the concepts of blessings for our obedience, but leaves out the expectation of curses from men. This is a strange idea. The church finds this altogether strange. The scripture says it would be strange not to have this expectation. I know you guys are students of the word, and this has a resonance from the book of James. Yeah. You know what, Pastor, it actually reminds me, I think there's a movie called Doctor Strange. And, and they, must, they must have based that on most of the pulpits in our day and time. We see it in every single pulpit in America, this idea that these guys are like wizards creating portholes that you can step through to get your blessings. I like to call these blessing holes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> 
<coughs> they do this while avoiding every cursing from men. This may work well if every day is Friday for you, but there are, in fact, actually six other days in the week that we need to learn how to function in. <laughs> Look, church. <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets real better. We said, take out your notebooks and get prepared this morning. Because our hope is that this morning is that we, lo- we are looking to help you see this more complete view throughout the entirety of Scripture and see this point of view in your own life and in your family banner. Yeah, amen. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to focus in on verse 3. Say there when you have arrived. That's about 20% of you. So Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. Here it is. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And Israel made him a richly ornamented robe for Joseph. Man, look at these blessings. Here we are starting off with some blessings for Joseph. Man, a father having a special, special love for his son. The firstborn of the woman that he cared so much about. Now, I have to tell you a little secret, and all of my children are in the room right now. uh, But all of my children know that they are, in fact, my favorite. As a matter of fact, my son and my daughter have, in, uh, in the last few weeks and months, they've stolen my wife's phone. And inside, in their name, when they call, it says, Gabriel, the real favorite child. (laughs) Olivia, when she calls in or texts in, it says, your favorite. (laughs) And Anna would do the same thing, but we just don't let her mess with our phones. But this idea, and and that's the truth, is I want them all. They They are all my favorite. That's the secret to it. They are actually my favorite. But in this case, it's not just words. He's actually creating. He makes a robe for Joseph. Not just a special robe, but a, one that is richly ornamented. It's so fancy. Or if you're the P-Rose, and since we have so many Louisiana people here today, it's not just fancy. It's so fancy. It is a fancy robe that he has. Yeah, we, we didn't buy the Hunt's ketchup. We bought the fancy ketchup. <laughs> Verse 4, let's pick it up. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Here we see immediately both blessings and curses. A blessing from the loving father and curses from men. Do you guys see that as well? Yeah. There's a deep love of a father to a son and accompanied with the hatred of all of Joseph's brothers. There's a robe of favor and a scowl of disdain. It's one thing for Pastor Wade to have an implied notion that one child of his family being the favorite in this case, in this story, it's, it's the one man, Israel. But it's a visible reality in Israel's life. His brothers could see on a daily basis a visible representation of the father's favor. Right from the beginning of Joseph's story, we see both sides of this blessing from God and this cur- these curses from men. Joseph then has a dream afterwards which he shares that caused even more curses from men. The word says they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Yeah, let's look at verse 9. It says, then he had another dream. Somebody say another dream. Another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Wow, that's a great idea. Since the first time you told them, it went so well. We're just going to do it again. And he says, listen, I had another dream. And this time it got even better. This time, the sun and the moon 
and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, before you've read this, you've read it many, many times, we understand the concepts, but this should be sparking new interest in your mind and your heart based on what we've been teaching about the sun and the moon here in this church, yeah. about that concept. And we're like, wow, what is he saying here? See, he's not just getting a revelation about the next job that he should go to. He's not just trying to find out the next, the next message he should preach in prison. What he's finding out here is he's getting a heavenly download of the inevitable future of himself and his entire family. Man, that's, that's an incredible blessing from God. Yeah. And his family is the model for every life that becomes a family, and in this case, that becomes a nation, not only impacting one. Man, this is an incredible blessing from God. He's receiving a blessing only, because receiving a blessing only can have an unintended result. And that's that you can become one big, fat blessing hole. Oh, no. oh wow. Wow. Well, nobody wants curses for men. God has told us to expect them. And he uses them to develop the character it takes to handle the blessings of your family banner. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't be a blessing hole. Hey, don't worry. We're going to have a repentance element at the very end. But let's look at verse 10 and we'll pick it up. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. See, Joseph was just as blessed in his second dream than he was when he received the first one. Actually, he was being blessed with greater revelation of his family banner. This greater blessing from God resulted in even a greater curse from men. One now involving his very own parents. This continued to escalate to the point of being thrown into a well, sold into slavery, and his ornamented robe was torn and used as false evidence of his death. Talk about curses from men. When you think about it, it was because Joseph was thrown into a hole that we don't view him now as a blessing hole. Come on. Come on now, church. Don't you want greater revelation from God? Yes. Come on, don't you need greater revelation from God? Yes. Don't you want greater blessings from Him? Are you willing to have ever-increasing difficulty and the curses of men that will accompany the blessings of God? What if the ultimate level of your growth and my growth in the kingdom is contingent upon you and I getting this right? Mm. See, what if our maturity is actually, in fact how much of the curses of men that we're willing to endure to make sure that we are getting the blessings of God. See, I was talking with, with some elders from a different church just the other day. And this was our topic of conversation. Man, I love you, Lord. I've, got every, I've given you everything I can, Lord. I've given it all to you. And then the Lord reveals something else that you must give up. And you say, well, now that's a little bit too much. Mm. Man, that's... Whoo, that was hard. See, I thought, see, we thought we gave everything. Yeah. But what we were expecting in return was just blessings from God, and we forgot that there's this other part to this. Yeah. People get discouraged. They decide that that's just too much. I've done my part. What is God doing in His part? What if our maturity is based on how well we understand this very message today? See, everyone wants to walk in the blessings of God. What happens when we are obedient 
and we still fail. At least in man's eyes. At least in our own eyes. What happens when difficulties and curses ensue precisely because we are obedient, anointed, or blessed from God? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that as a that as a success is your aim? If a success is the only part of your aim, then how you can become what we're calling a blessing hole? A hole where we just expect for more and more and more and more blessings to be dumped into. Because, you know, the truth is, is the world's Christian television is full of this kind of thought. You've heard it said, send me $50 million so I can become more of a blessing hole than I already am. No, 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 I got it. I got it. Why don't you send me $15 million so that I can build my building better so that I can be more of a blessing hole and have a whole house full of people who are more of blessing holes. Unlike most people, you may not have $15 million on hand. So you say, well, send me, uh, you, or hear them say, send me $1,000 so you can get back $7,000 and you too can become a giant blessing hole. It's true. Yep. See, this is the common thought around us. And you might be thinking about it from a perspective that says, hey, well, that's, that's, not, that's not what I do. Isn't it, though? Aren't we so discouraged the first time? The first time that any level of dif- difficulty comes? See, I know that you do because I watch your faces when you walk in the room. I know that, man, when things are going good, you are on fire. You're ready to have seven words of prophecy. You're ready to pray for everybody. Your boldness is there. Come on, Joe. You know what I'm talking about. And the moment that there are difficulties, we're crying out and seeing where God has gone. We've lost all faith. We've lost all hope. See, I don't know about you, but the kingdom doesn't need any more blessing holes. No. This is not how Jesus did it. It's not how Paul did it. And that's not how we're going to do it. This is a church free of giant blessing holes. Come on, let's see how Joseph continues to deal with this very topic. Let's look at Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Wouldn't you say that all these together are incredible blessings from God? Oh, yeah. Even given from the state in which Joseph came from in the very beginning. There's seven phrases listed here of God's blessings. That the Lord was with Joseph. That he was prospering. The Lord was with him again. There was success, favor. He was in charge and entrusted. But we want you to remember something. Every one of these blessings was accompanied by curses from men. Curses from men which kept him from being a blessing whole, and it should be your expectation to incur as well. Look down in verse 11 with us. Genesis 39, 11, it says this. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Man, talk about being cursed by men. And in this case, being cursed by a woman. But Joseph had the character to not succumb to temptation and enjoy the blessings of God. This makes you wonder if this was in fact an injustice, a travesty, a curse. 
or if it was just a veiled blessing? I'd say the answer is yes. <laughs> Twice in his life, he was blessed by God and cursed by men. Twice in his life, something was torn from him. A robe was torn from him. A garment torn from him that seemed like a loss. But in reality, it was providing for his gain. Amen. In Joseph's life, to be blessed by God is to be cursed by men, which is, of course, in the end, actually a blessing. Amen. Let's look at this further. Everyone turn with me to 2 Kings. Let's go to chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. See here, Elijah was the older, wiser man of God. And he was desiring to learn what he could do to bless his younger, hungry apprentice. Elisha makes a bold request of his mentor. He says, I want double. We often make this double portion about being a double blessing. You know, there's a list of miracles that we've recounted from the pulpit and in our Bible studies. That Elijah had eight. Elisha had 16. But the point of today's message is that those are all associated with the blessings of their family banners. But we have to understand, what about the curses of men that go along with them? What if the blessings from God is just the easy part? It may be, but it's not the only part of a family banner. What if the difficult thing is that in order to get a double blessing... It requires you to be faithful through double amount of the cursings of men that come on you as well. Now see, when you start thinking about this, this is one of those things that many, many people talk about Elijah and Elisha. Many, many people talk about the double portion here. But I've never heard anyone speak of the double curses of men that were required to get the double blessings of God. See, as I start to think about this, it produced a revelation inside of me. Think about the beginning of the relationship. Hold your place here. In 2 Kings, and let's go to 1 Kings 19 and verse 19. 1 Kings 19, 19, and it says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Man, just like Joseph, we see that a cloak... It's it's an important piece of this story. It's representing a man's life, his favor, his authority, his anointing. It's representing his very blessings from God. Elijah was told by God to anoint Elisha as his successor. Let's look at verse 20 together. It says, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Now the truth is, as any pastor, any parent, any discipler loves the way that Elisha responds. He gets the cloak thrown on him, and he leaves everything about his life. He leaves the things that could produce income for himself, and he just runs after the things of God. Man, we love that. He says also, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, the truth is, is as your pastor, I have to tell you this. That phrase, what have I done to you, has always made me just a little bit perplexed. Is 
is Elijah mad? Is he indifferent here? What is the, how is he saying this? See, we're seeing the written text, but we can't hear how he's saying it. What if Elijah is realizing that the blessings from God in raising up a successor is more than just being able to fight off 850 prophets of the enemy? What if in this moment, Elijah is contemplating the weighty prospect that Elisha's success will by necessity bring about overwhelming curses from men? Wow. Wow. What if he understands the weight that he has had to walk through? The despair, the utter fear for loss of his own life and says, you want double? It's taken me everything I had as the man Elijah is saying this. It's taken me everything I had to just make it this far. You want to do double? And it may be Elijah saying in that moment, what have I done to you? Elijah knows that Elisha will be doubly blessed. But he cannot become a blessing whole. So he knows that there will have to be double the curses of men to achieve that. Isn't it good to have mentors in your life that can rightly speak into your life? That can bring you revelation of not just the blessings of God, but also give you the weightiness of what comes with it, the curses of men? Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 2 and read further in verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. This is a clear indication that Elisha's heart had shifted. It shifted from the intensity of devotion and commitment to his father's household to now seeing Elijah as his household. God's means of affirmation in both their first and last meetings together was to give him Elijah's cloak, that very symbol of the blessings of God. Come on, let's talk about this phrase that what have I done to you? Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, Elijah had a lot of things that he had to deal with. I mean, he had to deal with Ahab and Jezebel, had to deal with hundreds of demonic, wicked prophets. What did Elisha have to deal with, though? He had to face foreign armies. Uh, we, we know about this double portion of the blessing. We know the double the miracles. Man, what a great task. Do you realize that he had to be buried for the last miracle to be accomplished? Come on. Wow. He was frequently cursed by people after curing their barrenness. He even had to raise children from the dead. That is an incredible thing for us to consider. This is a church with the aspirations to reach the world, to reach the nations, and throughout the generations. We have our heart that we want to dream big and have giant acts of bold faith that will show our great God exactly what we're doing. And how many men and women, though, in our midst have gotten that and really, really wanted to do that, but they didn't understand this idea of the cursings of men that goes along with those many blessings? 
and they've walked away from what God is doing in this building because they just decided that the curses weren't worth it. Yeah. That makes them cowards and what we are defining as a blessing hole. Yeah. We're fine as long as you're giving us prophecy. We're fine as long as you're coming and, and preaching to us and you're laying hands on us when we're in a hospital bed. We're fine as long as we're getting the set of twins that was never supposed to be here. We're fine as long as those things. But are we going to walk through this part of it? And Elisha is having to do this, church. Thank you for a double blessing. Yeah. But what about the double curses here? Yeah. Let's see a small example of what Elisha had to face that maybe most people in the room may not be as familiar with as some of these other stories that we've referenced. Turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 8. Can you hear clearly what we're trying to lay before you today? The blessings of God come with the curses of men, and they are a double blessing together. Verse 9, Hazael went to meet Elisha, taking with him a gift. 40 camel loads of all the finest wares of Damascus. He went in and stood before him and said, Your son, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha answered, Go and say to him, You will certainly recover. But the Lord has revealed to me that he will in fact die. Elisha sounds like a man that is encouraging Hazael to lie. To tell the king of Aram one thing, even when he knows something else, will happen. How can you recover but, in fact, die? They seem diametrically opposed. Let's keep reading in verse 11. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazael felt ashamed. Oh, you know when you met a real man of God of deep convictions that knows the accompanying of the blessings of God with the curses of men. And he's staring you right in the eyes, waiting for you to get the revelation. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping, asked Hazael. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places. You kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. I want to share with you something that we saw in this passage. Blessing, or the blessing of prophetic insight always comes with the weightiness of the curses of men that are going to fall on the prophet and the prophet's people. That's a weighty element. Elisha received prophetic insight and says that is a blessing from God. But it yields curses from sinful men. Elisha was no blessing hole. He was doubly blessed by God and doubly blessed by men, which of course is a double blessing all the way around. Man. It's an incredible thing to have prophetic insight and see what's going to happen. See, Hazael was such a wicked man, he went and murdered the king. That's how the king could both recover and die. See, sometimes you look like a crazy man as you're saying these things, but Elisha was perfectly correct in what he was saying, and that was the weightiness of this. The blessings of God and the curses of men that are both a double blessing. That's an incredible thing that Pastor Matt just shared with you. Come on, let's really talk about this. Let's expand this now. We've been looking at individual characters, but let's look at the nation of Israel as a whole. God's people who have been blessed beyond measure. Turn with us to Psalm 83. Psalm 83. 
Are you tracking with us here today, church? Now, Israel is the nation. And theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs is the divine glory. Theirs are the covenants. Theirs is the receiving of the law. Even the lineage of Jesus Christ is theirs. And it is precisely because of this that they have been recipients of the curses of men on an unprecedented global scale for their entire existence. And Psalm 83 gives us a small glimpse of this. Psalm 83 verse 4. It says this, Come, they say, let us destroy Israel as a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. See, we just don't want to defeat them. We want to crush them. We don't even want there to be a memory of this group of people. With one mind, they plot together. They form an alliance against Israel. With one mind. Somebody say one mind. One mind. How can you get the world to have one mind on anything? We couldn't get everyone in this room to agree where we wanted to go to lunch if we, if we had to. Someone would just have to make a decision and others would just have to live with it. <laughs> we would be as, of as many opinions as there are human beings in the room. And the entire world has one mind against God's people. See, this doesn't just exist in the book of Psalms, which was a thousand years before Christ. It's not just for Elijah and Elisha. It is the ongoing chant today. It's taking place all across the Muslim world. It is taking place all across Europe and all across America. This idea that people are more and more with one, they're getting the same thoughts. They're getting the same notions. With one mind, they are plotting against God's people. And in this passage, we see that the request and the quest of God's people has always been that the Lord would do to their enemies now what He's always done before. That there would be victory, just as over Egypt and the gods of Egypt. That there would be victory over the, as they had over the inhabitants of the promised land. That there would be victory like over that of Midian and Sisera and so many other battles that they had. The blessings of God have given victory. And the curses of men. But they've also resulted in the absolute curses from the opposition of all mankind to these people. This is Israel's family banner. To be a blessing to all nations and to be cursed by all nations. Wow. Now the truth is, is I could stop here and ask what your family banner blessings and curses look like. But I won't. We're going to look now at a righteous Israeli Jew and the blessings and cursings, curses that he encountered. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. We'll start with verse 54. Amen. <coughs> when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen... Full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, full of the Holy Spirit. Looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. There is the blessing of being full of the Holy Spirit. It's something we push for to experience on a daily basis. Amen. There is the blessing of seeing into the heavenly realm while facing the onslaught of the curses of men. 
Do you see in this very passage, we have both the blessings of God and the curses of men. But isn't it all just a double blessing altogether? In verse 57, we pick up. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. This phrase, they all rushed at him, is the Greek word home with the maiden. It is that one mind, that one accord, but it's not rallied around the standard of God's word. It's rallied around being a curse of men and that falling upon Stephen. They all rushed at him in one accord. There was complete unity of the curses of men that we see here. The curse of the people in perfect unity, hating him so much that he refused or they refused to listen to this anointed man of God. Let's see what they did in verse 58. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. What a blessing. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. You know, Stephen probably didn't have any idea that stepping up to be a spirit-filled deacon stepping up to be a servant for the apostles, that the blessings of God would lead him to confront the leaders of his day and be cursed by the men of his own community. Stephen's martyrdom was a curse from men, but isn't it really a blessing from God? Stephen was laying down his life at the feet of Jesus in that moment while men were laying down their cloaks at the feet of young Saul. Like Joseph, like Elijah, and every other called man, their cloaks are laid down as they're experiencing the blessings of God and the curses of men. Saul had no idea that at this moment he would eventually walk in the same mantle, the same cloak as Stephen, and end up confronting the leaders of his time and giving his life willingly just as he had seen Stephen do right before him. Paul would also be doubly blessed by God and doubly cursed by men, which is, of course, a double blessing. The kingdom of God was never, has never, and will never be built by a bunch of blessing holes. Come on, let's look a few chapters later. Let's look in Acts chapter 14. I want everybody in the room to turn there with us. Acts 14 and verse 21. says they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Somebody say large number. Large number. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Man, it's no wonder that Paul is here preaching the good news. See, he was transformed by an experience from the heaven. And there is no doubt that he was thinking back on many days in his life towards what he saw in the glory of Stephen, in the blessings of God that rested upon this man. See, Paul is winning a large number of disciples here. And he's returning to the places that he had already suffered greatly in. The places that he had already been kicked out of and beaten and tried. He was returning to these places. Why? Because he understood that even the curses of men are actually blessings for us. Yes. Verse 22, strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Church, how does he do that? By the very next sentence. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. 
It should be your delight. It should be your family banner that says, we want the difficulties. Why? Because that's really blessings from God anyway. Yes. Strengthening and encouraging them. If you are blessed by God, you are going to be cursed by men. You are going to have difficulty. You are going to have suffering. Which makes us ask this simple question. Are the difficulties in your life proving that you've really been blessed by Him? If we measured it not by the blessings that you have, but by the curses that men throw at you, how good is your walk with the Lord right now? Wow. How deeply do you understand the blessings of God if we run from the curses of men? Man, you cannot run from the curses of men and expect to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's not how this is done. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1 and we'll look at verse 9. What we see here is that John clearly understood this principle we're sharing with you this morning. Revelation 1.9 starts with, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. We can look at this and say, you know what? The blessings of God include brothers and companions. Am I right? It's good to have brothers and companions. It's a blessing of God to be in the kingdom of God. It's a blessing from God to have the ability to possess patient endurance, the character that won't quit. But let's make sure we don't overlook what is hidden in this text. You know what else is ours? In Jesus is the suffering that comes from the curses of men along with the blessings of God. It's the suffering that accompanies the family banner of Jesus that is over us all. And if he participated in sufferings in order to be able to receive and give blessings, how are we no different? We stand with the king of kings under his family banner and we are to inherit all the blessings of God in addition, all the curses of men. Come on, turn with us to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In light of this idea of the blessings of God and the curses for men that fall under our family banner, it caused us to look at 2 Corinthians 6 in a very different way, and we want to share that with you. Yeah. We're going to begin in verse 4. Everybody say there when you're there. It says this, Rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardship, distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and in hunger. Now, we can commend ourselves. Why? Because we're trying to be servants of God. And that's what these men are writing about. That they've been strengthened. That they've been established in this. And therefore, they can commend themselves to set it forth as an example in these sufferings. We have our family banners and we won't back up, we won't shut up, and we won't let up. We can commend ourselves in these things. See, we aren't worried about the difficult things, the suffering, the curses of men. We can commend ourselves even in the midst of trouble from without. Those difficulties in our job places, those difficulties from the world. We can commend ourselves when we're experiencing suffering from within, within our families, within those close to us, from the hatred of those who are far from God. These are the sufferings that we should be resilient enough to overcome. Man, what an incredible list. Because we are blessed by God and cursed by men. 
which is, of course, a double blessing. Let's continue to see this in verse 6. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. How did Paul acquire this purity? How did he gain this understanding, this patience, and this kindness? It's because he knew that being blessed by God was to be cursed by men and knew that both were, in fact, a blessing together. Come on. Do you want to be a soldier with only one weapon in your hand? No. That would make you a blessing hole. Or do you want to learn to see the curses of men as veiled blessings from God and end up with blessings in both hands? Come on. A double blessing. Amen. Weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. Now, I have never seen this in this passage before. I didn't recognize that the first set of characteristics could be considered curses from men. The second set of characteristics could be considered blessings from God and that they're both the same. And in case you're missing the fact, that both the blessings of God and the curses of man are in fact a double blessing, then the scripture is going to show it to you in these next passages. Yeah, Listen to this. Through glory and dishonor, yeah. through the blessings of God and the curses of man, we end up doubly blessed, yes. church. Come on, through bad report and good report. Come on, that's what I call a double blessing. Woo. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. That's what I call a double blessing. Come on. Known, yet regarded as unknown. That's what I call a double blessing, that we are dying and yet we live on. That's what I call a double blessing. <laughs> Beaten, yet not killed. That's what I call a double blessing. How about sorrowful, yet always rejoicing? That's what I call a double blessing. Hey, we're poor, yet making many rich. That's what I call a double blessing. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. That's what I call double blessings. There's no room, saints, for greasy grace blessing holes, and what they are sinfully discharging upon the body of Christ. Yes, we're being crass this morning because we want this revelation to be instilled upon you. It's truth. This is not Amen. crass, folks. Amen. This is the truth of what is going on in our world. We're actually understating it. We're actually yeah. not giving it to you enough because we're trying to present this to everyone in the room. The idea of a blessing hole is not something crass. It is what we live for. Amen. It is what the people around us are doing. And we want you to be doubly blessed by being able to overcome this. Now let's consider what's going on in Hebrews 11. Now that we understand that the curses of men, as we walk under our family banner, only to serve to bless us by giving us the validation to know that we are in fact having our weaknesses turned to strength. And that the fact is, is that the world is not worthy of us as we walk in this manner. Amen. In addition to the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith we are so familiar with, there is a Hall of Faith that we would like to share with you. It's the LCM Hall of Faith. Consisting of men and women of God who have built their lives upon the blessings of God and the blessings that come from the curses of men. They teach us to perform out there what you practice in here. <laughs> These principles have taught us that one life it's supposed to impact one family, and it's supposed to reach the nations. They teach us that I need my brothers, and my brothers need me. This has taught us to die for our brother's vision. They have taught us that we are changing one life at a time. Ooh, it's even taught us that our boundary lines have fallen in absolutely pleasant places. 
To have zero faith. To leave no reserve. To have no holds barred attitude. To never have any wiggle room in our family banners. To cling to our promises. To have an indestructible attitude. To be men on a mission. To have a common unity in our method. To possess double blessings. Come on. Are you getting what we're saying here, church? See, we want Pastor Eric to come forward and help us because, yeah. because we understand that doing this in community is the way to do this. That the curses for men and the blessings of God are both double blessings upon us. And this is what is our heart's desire for you today as a church. Church, give these pastors a hand. In a world full of blessing holes, I don't want to be one. There was a moment where one of the pastors started to make a mistake, and I'm glad he stopped. The mistake is not in feeling like we've gone too far by saying blessing hole. The truth is, we haven't gone nearly far enough. What these people are saying and doing and selling and merchandising to the body of Christ is shameful. The fact that a half-truth has been turned into a whole lie is shameful. The worst part about all of it is that the people have learned to love it. I want you to hear this. This is Matthew 5.10. It comes straight out of the mouth of the living Son of God. Say there when you were there. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tell me every day is Friday. Tell me that all God wants is for you to be fat, rich, blessed, happy. In fact, don't tell me. Tell my friends in India struggling to eat. Tell brothers that I know without shoes that are raising the dead that they're under a curse of poverty. If you preach far less than half the gospel and call it the whole truth, you're worse than a blessing hole. You're a son of the devil. It's important that you grab how strong the word speaks about this. Let's read 2 Timothy 3.12 together. In fact, everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone. Who does everyone leave out? In fact, everyone, here's the qualifier, who wants to live a godly life. We're only talking about those that want to imitate God in their behavior. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Come face to face with these last three words. Will be persecuted. If you are blessed by God, then you are cursed by men. You know what that makes cursings by men for those that are blessed by God? Validation. We've been talking, can you put the the slide on the screen? We've been talking about family banners. It's a message that was born right out of my heart and these brothers have developed it in ways that heaven is honored by. 
If you're going to stand under a supernatural conversion and form a family and say, this is the standard, then God will give you promises that will help you hold up that standard. He will remind you. He will encourage you along the way. Those promises become for your whole family a rock to cling to. You start to develop an attitude together. Everybody under the banner knows where they're headed. They know what God has promised them. And they begin to develop an unwavering attitude. It was called indestructible by one brother. You start to go out on missions that are under your family banner. And the thing is, is you might have many missions, but they all have supernatural components. You're not doing what is easily done. You're doing what it takes the spirit and power of God for you to do. Our method is that we work with those that have been commissioned in the same way by God, that are standing as the priest in their home, that are also advancing the kingdom. If you do this, what these brothers are telling you today is you will be blessed by God. But I am living proof you will be cursed by men. Have you ever seen me wear that shirt, cult leader? I got called it enough, I just decided to own it. And by those who should have supported me. Do you know why? They became blessing holes. You have to prepare those that work in your family banner for exactly what they will face. You start when they're very young. I would tell mine, hey, you're a Stevens. You're not like those over there, meaning the lost children. Some people are going to hate you just because of who you love. Because when they back up, shut up and let up, the Lord will not permit you to. When they hate you, spit on you, or insult you, the Lord says, you are blessed. Smile. Don't wipe the spit off. Wear it as a badge. This is what it means to stand under our banner. Now, like all young men and women, they struggle to enact that. And you struggle to enact that. And yet it is the expectation of a Christian. In fact, Timothy, Paul just said that to Timothy. And you weren't left out of it. When you consider that, can you tell by your cursings that you're a child of God? Or have you defined your status as a child of God by how blessed you are? Because you might just be a blessing hole. And the thing about being a blessing hole is you can't throw enough blessings in it to make it happy. You know, one way that this sneaks up on a Christian is, the Lord has given me this and this, and, and I mean, that's great, but I'll really be happy when... And when comes, and of course, you know, he's given me this, this, and the when. But the thing is, is I'll really be happy when. Friends, if you're not happy under adversity, how are you anything but a blessing hole? But if you are rejoicing that the kingdom of God is resting on your shoulders, you know what you are? You are doubly blessed. Look, this is the attitude that makes us love Paul. 1 Peter 4.12. I've got two scriptures and then we are going to close. And we're going to do it right at an hour, which is a double blessing. Now that 
That is a blessing. Just a real nice blessing. 1 Peter 4.12 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Why can he say that? He can say that because they're blessed of God. Of course they're going to be cursed by men. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory of God Rest on you. There is a truth that is being revealed to you today. You can have a twofold witness in your life that you stand in a right place with God. How God blesses you and how men treat you. It's just like Shalom. You can look and say, am I right with you, Father? And feel the blessing of His affirmation. And knowing that if you are right with God, you'll be right with His people. But you'll be wrong with everybody else. Friends, Jesus was no blessing whole. In fact, although he only did good, only did righteousness, the world killed him for his behavior. How is it that we get along so well? We've been trained since infancy in Christianity to be a big, greasy blessing hole. And we call it grace. Actually, grace is the power to stand up under persecution with a smile and rejoice that you were beaten for the name. That's what grace is. Proverbs 26.2 is my last scripture. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. You cannot be cursed. Oh, men can try. The devil can float like a butterfly, but he cannot, in fact, sting like a bee. That boxer who was named for a pedophile prophet, he was wrong. So was the pedophile prophet he was following. The truth is that just like a young man prophesied in our worship service, having no idea what these pastors were going to preach about, when Balaam stands up and curses you, God will turn it into a blessing. But you have to rejoice in being cursed by men. That is a part of your banner. And I just got to tell you, in these next few minutes... You probably ought to think about the last six months of your life. We pray for the blessings of God without realizing blessing is to be persecuted. It shows that you're in the kingdom of God and His glory is on your shoulder. In the last six months, how have you been treated? Has it looked anything like Christ? Has it looked anything like the apostles? Does it look anything like the persecuted church around the world? Or are we living like all the other blessing holes? 
Because if you haven't experienced the sting of reproof, the indignation of the world around you, then how much can you actually be standing out for Christ? When the light shines in the darkness, the darkness hates it. Hates it because the light exposes its deeds and they are evil. John also says the light cannot be overcome by the darkness. See, the way that we get our banners right is you can triangulate. Am I loved by the Lord and hated by most? Yeah, then you're on the right track. And that is not the average Christian's goal because they're being trained to be bigger blessing holes than the idiot that is teaching them. Well, at LCM... We're comfortable with persecution. And we're comfortable with persecution because we see it as reverse validation. This ministry has been attacked since its inception and so have all of the other churches of the One Association. In fact, when it stops, we have to, we have to check ourselves. Am I no longer a threat to the enemy? Why doesn't he even see fit to attack me anymore? Do you need to assess yourself right now? If you felt persecuted because we asked you to comply with some health ordinances, how can you be anything other than a blessing hole? If you feel persecuted when a brother shares a word of correction with you, how can you be anything other than a blessing hole? You know when you know you're getting somewhere is for righteousness sake, the people at your work are uncomfortable around you. They look up and go, oh my God, that's Keith. I'm going to find somewhere else to be for a few minutes. You've been tricked into believing that they need to like you. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the Apostle Paul. They didn't like any of the apostles. They killed them all. It's our same bad parenting style. Need to be their friends. Now, friendship with the world is warfare towards God. You know what we need to be? A representative of God on earth and how they feel about him ought to be exactly how they feel about you. In just a minute, we're going to open the altars. Now, we've spent so many services praying for people to be blessed by God. Most of you got filled with the Holy Ghost in this building or in one of our living rooms. Most of you have been healed or your children have been healed or your parents have been healed in this ministry. The signs and wonders that accompany a real ministry are all over the place. I don't have a thing to prove to the people in this room. I'm asking that we get this right so that we don't walk away from here knowing that we're on a mission, being excited about supernatural components, and then you are dismayed and bewildered when every round one around you doesn't love what you're doing. If they do love what you're doing, you're probably on the wrong track. What I have found as a leader in the Christian community for almost three decades is if you don't make your closest friends a little uncomfortable, you're probably not standing up tall enough for Christ. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. When we do, I'm going to ask you to stand up in another way. Stand up and be bigger than your pride. Stand up and be bigger 
than that pansy nature that wants to please everyone around you. Stand up on the inside as well as the outside and say, the Lord is drawing for me clear lines and they are pleasant. And if the world hates me, that's exactly how they treated him. You know who shouldn't hate you and who you shouldn't hate? Your brothers and sisters sitting next to you. The reason we gain strength from each other is because you see that your brothers are being treated just like you. Unless, of course, they're not. Unless, of course, they've just elected a few powerful men of God to be their gladiatorial representatives while they sit in the grandstands. Everybody in here ought to close ranks and go, they spit on floor, that's the same as spitting on me. Next time, step in front of it. Church, this is how the overcoming church around the world operates. And I get asked this question in every church I go to, why are all the miracles somewhere else? Because it's where the real Christians are. It's really that simple. They love Jesus so much more than the average Christian in America. They have to. Because they don't survive if they don't. We have found a way to survive even though we don't. Today's a chance to correct that. So I tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to stand up and look and go, if Sydney goes down, then I'll go down, blessing hole. We're not going to look and go, if Anna has the courage to go and repent, I'll do that. You're going to do what you know you must. A portion of that is at this altar, but do you know where the larger portion is? It's not just outside the walls. It's getting right with the people inside the walls. You'll never get, get, get where you need to be out there if you're not doing it in here. That's why we practice in here. LCM is not a place for powder puff Christians. There are no candied apple Christians in here. If you don't want to do what we do, then get out. I mean, don't waste now one more minute of our time. Because God will fill up every place in here with someone who does want to do what we do. The evidence of that is all around us. I believe that you must be here because somewhere inside you, you want to stand up and be counted. Maybe you've been waiting for your moment. I'm telling you this is now. It's now because God is going to send a big threshing sledge through this church. And some will love it and see it as validation. Others will go on and be a victim in every church you've ever gone to. And we'll just be one more on the list. That is going to happen. Because some are living in a way in this room that is not worthy of the gospel of God. And it shows up in everything that you do. While others are excelling wildly beyond any thought we could have ever hoped or imagined. You know when we'll be the church God called LCM to be? When every person in this room, everyone could represent all the rest of us and there's none that you have to be embarrassed of how they behave. When we pray, you do what you must. Some of that is at the altar. Some of it is reconciliation between people in this room. And some is outside. But if you won't do it here, if you won't do it now, 
then you really need to find somewhere else to do what you do. Are you all ready to pray? Everybody stand to your feet. Father, we're asking now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your good spirit, your spirit of holiness would guide us. Lord, you have given us a serious word today. You've given us serious truth today. We do not want to be guilty of having heard your word and not do it. Lord, I am crying out to you for the leaders of this church that we would not be guilty of preaching the word and not doing it. Lord, move us now by your Spirit. Move this congregation into the place that you want it to be. Lord, break down every wall of offense today. Break down every need to please people today. Lord, we're asking you now to organize your army. Lord, to draw the battle lines for us. Teach us, mighty God. We need you to teach us. Lord, by your Spirit now in this room, speak to your children. Move upon your children. We need you. We need you desperately, mighty one. And we invite you. We invite you to search us, mighty God. Turn over the leaven that is in our heart. Scrape the mold out of the walls of our house. Lord, come and fix your church today. 